0: Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Friday. We're finally here at the weekend. Hope everyone has some exciting stuff planned out, whatever that may be. But before we get to the weekend, some things that I do want to close out the week on. There is a new trailer, a new poster, and release date for Promising Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan. Patty Jenkins talks about Wonder Woman, maybe going to streaming. Natalie Portman talks door four, and a whole lot more. But the first thing that I do want to talk about is soul moving. To Disney Plus and it was finally confirmed yesterday according to the trades and then were reported and then confirmed by Disney themselves that the brand new Pixar film starring Jamie Foxx, Felicia Rassad, Davi Diggs will be moving from the big screen to the small screen falling in line with Mulan in which they released it on Disney Plus instead of going to the big screen because of COVID-19 and the health of the theatrical window right now and theaters at this given moment in time and instead they will be releasing soul on their streaming service on christmas day and the biggest catch of all is that it will be free of charge so basically unlike mulan where you had to pay for Disney Plus if you didn't have it, plus an additional $30 for Premier Access with Soul. If you don't have Disney Plus yet, all you have to do is pay the $699 for Disney Plus, and that's it. You don't have to pay anything else. And if you already have Disney Plus, and if you've had it already, for about a year or so, then you don't have to pay anything else. You just are able to watch it for free at that at that point. And I think what this really kind of says is that maybe for Disney, they didn't think that the $30 worked and there have been reports that at least here domestically mulan made around 200 million dollars if you only counted for 9 million of of the subscribers that watched mulan so it did okay business nothing out of the park fantastic and especially when you take in the cumulative total worldwide from what it did theatrically in theaters in china and in other parts of the world it didn't do that well so maybe disney's saying you know what Seoul isn't the budget that Mulan is, which I don't I don't believe Seoul's budget has been released yet. But with Mulan, when you take into account its marketing and advertising, it'll definitely be well over $200 million. So they probably needed another incentive to add some additional cash and the fact that they can keep that cash. With Seoul, usually... Pixar films, they can go to a budget of a hundred million dollars or so, especially with the technology and the time that you utilize it for, for how many years you're working on this film and animated films take an immense amount of time. It's not just a two or even three year process. When you hear stories about some of the ideas that have hatched for Disney animated films or Pixar films, they usually are a potentially six to five year process from storyboarding, creating the script, the animation, the voice casting. There's a lot that really goes into it. So for for Soul, I think for Disney, it'll just be kind of a a good gimmick to get more people onto Disney Plus, kind of like what they did for Hamilton, where it was really kind of the big event of the summertime and all eyes were on Disney Plus and it helped Disney Plus to accumulate over 60 million subscribers really before its first full year in activation as a streaming service, where $60 was the five-year mark that they wanted to hit with their investors, and they exceeded that already. So I I think for for Seoul, this is a a sad move, again, for theaters, but at the same time, it was only a matter of time before we heard the announcement, which is why when I saw it on, on Twitter and I saw it in the trades and I saw the announcement from Walt Disney, I said to myself, Oh, finally, they actually announced it. So it was only a matter of time. And I know for people, they're not really happy about that. But I think with animation, I think especially for something like this, It would have been amazing to see in theaters i think for soul the animation has looked breathtaking from the the kind of 3d motion animation that they show in new york city to kind of the 2d animation that they utilize within kind of the cosmic realm of all these souls is incredible and according to people that i've talked to and journalists they have already seen about 40 minutes of the movie And they say it's mind-blowing and that it has a chance to be a great Pixar film. And it has a cachet behind it. I mean, Peter Docter is the head of Pixar taking over the reins of John Lasseter, who stepped aside for reasons that have been made aware for the last few years. And he is somebody who deserves that mantle of Peter Docter taking over the being the head of Pixar because of the films that he has made from Up to Inside Out and now with Soul. He's always somebody that is looking to not just kind of just have a surface film where it's just a fun family film that people can enjoy. He wants to really kind of take people inside themselves and and showcase some passion and teach lessons to children and adults at the same time. And I think Soul is gonna be another example of that. This is a film that I've heard also that Disney wants to be a part of this year's Academy Awards probably to reclaim and keep that streak going once again of taking that best animated feature i i also loved what onward did this year so i think pixar is on a roll and i know onward didn't receive the acclaimed reviews that other pixar films have had over the years but i still thought it it was a great film and kind of showcased what pixar can do with a simple story with a lot of heart and some really good characters and i think you're going to see kind of that complexity. City of pixar come out with peter doctor once again and alongside ken powers who has a lot of stuff in the wings and i think he's really going to come into his own and be a big name after the release of soul and it'll also i think be very fitting for the times and especially being the first african-american lead in a pixar movie being voiced by jamie fox i think you're going to see Pixar over the years now, now that they're going back to original films, showcase different cultures and and be more diverse. And this is really the start of that. I love how Harlem and New York City is shown in this, where it seems like it's not just a, a location, a setting. It's actually a character in the film. Everything is so lifelike. Every single detail is actually attained and put to detail and actually shown a lot of care. And I love that. And I think with animation, you can, again, it's great to see it on the big screen, but I think you can show it on the small screen as well. And I think for something like this, if you have a great screen, I think you'll enjoy this film. You'll still be able to capture all the visual glory that this film has the potential to carry over with it. And I'm excited to see it. Uh, I can't wait to experience this film on Christmas Day. I think this will be a great holiday film, even though it's still a few months away. I I think people can can wait a few more weeks or a few more months, even though there isn't a lot, a whole lot of stuff coming out over the next month or so in the vein of a family film or a blockbuster. But in the end, this isn't surprising. This was bound to happen. It just so happened to come out yesterday evening, and we'll finally get to see what Soul is all about in the next few months. What do you guys think about the move of Soul going to Disney Plus and coming out on December 25th? Let me know and leave your thoughts. And then moving away now from Soul and going to the world of trending trailers. It is trending trailer time, and today there is one trailer that really stood out to me that I want to talk about, and that is the second trailer for the much-anticipated film to a lot of cinephiles, and that is the new Carrie Mulligan film, Promising Young Woman. It is directed by Emerald Fennell, who this will be her kind of directorial debut for a feature film. Her claim to fame beforehand was being the showrunner for Killing Eve Season 2, and this is a film that I heard a whole lot about coming out of the Sundance Film Festival. And when he kind of talk about very, very, very early predictions for who could be in the running for the acting, for picture, for director, this film was one of the ones that I heard a whole lot about, especially towards Carey Mulligan, where people were already labeling her not to win it, but be one of the frontrunners to get a nomination for best actress. And it seems like that is still going to be on track as not only did we get a new trailer, but we got a new release date coming in on Christmas day for this film in theaters. And watching this trailer, it, it piqued my interest once again, because when I saw the first trailer, and this was before all the hype came in earlier in 2020, I was like, this is interesting. I've never seen Carrie Mulligan do a film like this. She's been in more reserved roles from an education, which really was her breakout film from Wolf of Wall, not Wolf of Wall Street, but Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps. She's been in, in incredible films and really good films throughout her career. And this seems to be something completely out of left field that I love actors to kind of challenge themselves with. And it seems like she plays this vigilante- serial killer who preys on men who try to take advantage of her and I think especially in the world of me too that we live in this is a very timely film to be coming out with and I think the fact that it was supposed to come out in April and was delayed due to covid people were kind of wondering especially in the Oscar punned world if this film would come out this year or early next year to be in line for the Oscar eligibility window. And it seems like that will be the case. And also a very interesting thing about this film is the eligibility, not the eligibility window, but the window for AMC and Universal. And if AMC doesn't close in the next few months because of a dearth of releases that are not available in 2020, we could see the first film under this new Universal AMC agreement, come into play. Because earlier in the year, Universal AMC agreed to a pact that after 17 days in theaters, Universal can put their films on PVOD and home video. And and with... uh, Promising Young Woman, Focus Features is under the NBC Universal and Universal umbrella, so they would be able to put this film out and see how it would really play out. So, this could be the first experiment done within this brand new historical game changing deal that was done by Universal and AMC. So, that's another aspect of this to really look out for. And again, with the trailer, I I liked it. I I really did enjoy it. I think I definitely can see clearly that. Carrie Mulligan is going to do something special with this. I love kind of the, I want to say kind of the poppiness of it, but also the seriousness and that it's going to be very dark, but dark humor and mysterious, but poppy. It looks very interesting and, and, and I'm totally for it. And again, I think Carrie Mulligan looks very, very good in this. She is probably gonna be one of the main reasons I go see this film because I wanna see the kind of performance that she delivers. And she has all these different disguises and different kind of shades of performances that she's going with. So I think this could be something really interesting. and could be a tour de force performance from Carrie Mulligan as many people have been labeling it. So definitely piqued my interest a whole lot more I'm happy to see that this film is coming out and again, there's going to be eyes on it when it comes to that AMC Universal window if AMC doesn't close down their theaters before December 25th, due to not there being a whole lot of stuff coming out within the next few months or so. So, the, a lot of stuff could be waiting in the wings for this film, and it, it could have a bigger impact on movie going than just being a great film overall. Again, from the buzz that I heard coming out of the Sundance Film Festival in January, which again feels like years and ages ago but it was a part of 2020 and in the early month of the new year and this was one of the first major films that i heard coming out that was getting a lot of awards buzz right out of the gate so what do you guys think about this trailer have you watched it yet what do you think of carrie mulligan's performance do you think it has the the stuff of awards worthy performances with all the hype that has been put around her let me know and leave your thoughts below and staying within the realm of strong female empowerment roles we're gonna go to one of the most well-known directors in the world of hollywood especially probably the number one female director in the world and that is patty jenkins and she has just a little movie that's set to come out As of right now on Christmas Day in Wonder Woman 1984, which has been one of the most highly anticipated films of this year, as of right now, if it still comes out, and before even COVID-19 was even around about here in the US, it was very much being looked forward to from a lot of people. And the trailers have looked very good. It looks like exactly what you would expect from this film with Patty Jenkins whom's to evolve with this character. And one of the things that have been talked about, as as have a lot of other major films that people want to see in haven't because of delays is the notion that maybe wonder woman could potentially go to vod or some kind of streaming like an hbo max since it is under the warner media umbrella And Patty Jenkins in an interview kind of really kind of squashed that bug under her shoe. And this is what she had to say about that. It could be the kind of thing that happened to the music industry where you could crumble the entire industry by making it something that can't be profitable. The Wonder Woman franchise wouldn't be prevalent or on streaming sites due to their sheer scale and audiences would ultimately lose out on the big screen experience. I don't think any of us want to live in a world where the only option is to take your kids to watch them movie in your own living room and not have a place to go for a date. I really hope that we were able to be one of the very first ones to come back and bring that into everybody's life. So basically what Patty Jenkins said in those quotes is what a lot of people, including myself, have been saying for many, 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 many months during this pandemic when it comes to movies, movie releases, and going on to VOD with these major blockbusters. And the answer, and it's coming from the horse's mouth, from somebody who is credible, who's somebody who is very popular, who is very talented in the industry, is saying this now, and that these films will not make profit on VOD, on streaming, because of the budget that they have. It just will not be successful. Again, going back to Mulan, even though it made fairly good money in the States, in terms. terms of people paying the $30, it, it, it still isn't going to be enough. And even though that goes all to the studio, it's not as successful as it would have been in theaters. And when it comes to Wonder Woman, it has that same kind of budget. And especially after the marketing of this film, when you have so many ad dollars going to TV spots, to theaters, to uh, different advertisements and different products like Doritos or Dairy Queen. We talked about this a few days ago as well with Jurassic World Dominion, why that moved to 2022. It just will not be able to sustain itself, and movies like that would become non-existent if it just went to streaming services or a PVOD. So, Batty Jenkins, I think, is, if you wanna look to somebody and get an answer, go to what Patty Jenkins said, and I'm going to direct it from now on to what she said in this interview because it's 100% accurate. And I also love that her passion for film and her passion for cinema is coming out because I think she's right as well where a lot of people have grown accustomed to watching something at home now that if you want to go out on a date or if you want to go out as a family or if you just want to go out by yourself to the movies, that there won't be that option if it just all goes to at home. There's not going to be anywhere to go to because if you want to go out on a Friday night or on a Saturday night and, you know, you've already gone to the mall, you don't want to go to a restaurant, but you want to go with your friends to see an exciting film, you're not just all going to want to crowd together in in a house when you've already probably been in your house for so many days or for an obscene amount of hours in a day, you're going to want to go out and go somewhere for that. So I think movie theaters are so essential. And again, coming from somebody who is is acclaimed and has the stancher that Patty Jenkins does, I think is very reassuring and shows that filmmakers are worried about this as well. And it's not just Patty Jenkins. It's it's people like Ava DuVernay, Steven Spielberg. Nolan was like this as well. A little bit more stubborn maybe than somebody like a Patty Jenkins who uh, wanted their films to be the one that saves cinema. That's not necessarily what Patty Jenkins wants to do, but she wants to go about this the safe way and showcase, well, Maybe we can't put movies out right now, but we're going to need something to happen soon, whether it's relief money, whether it's somebody coming in for money to invest in theaters, which, given the economical climate right now, isn't a viable option. So there's there's layers to this. and. I think, again, to hear this from Patty Jenkins, to me at least, it's reassuring that people are looking at this and are as concerned as I am and a lot of other people are for how dire the situation has become since late August when Tenet did come out. And there was a lot of, again, optimism from me and a lot of other people that maybe this could be the corner that could be turned. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. And we are where we are right now, where we have, and now that Soul's moving to Disney Plus, two major blockbusters at the tail end of 2020 in during the Christmas time from crude to the new age to Wonder Woman 1984 and now promising young woman with, with its new release date announced today. So it, there's not a whole lot of options, but to hear this from Patty Jenkins at least reassures me that I think there's gonna be a louder voice that comes out soon, and I think. I think hopefully this is a good sign for theaters in the sense that more people with the statures of a Patty Jenkins, of a Spike Lee, they're able to come out and help persuade people to go out and help these theaters in in staying alive at this point. So uh, again, 100% accurate for everything Patty Jenkins is saying. I couldn't agree with her more, and I think we're going to hear from more people saying that kind of stuff over the next few months what do you guys think about Patty Jenkins' quotes? Let me know and leave your thoughts below. And to finish off the Sam Bissell podcast today, I'm going to be sticking with the superhero realm, but ending it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the first thing that I want to talk about in the MCU is sticking with the theme of powerful women and ending that portion of it on talking about Thor, Love, and Thunder, and specifically the role that Natalie Portman will have in this film, reprising her role of Jane Foster from the first and second Thor film in the MCU. And one of the big surprises that came out of San Diego Comic-Con was it wasn't just going to be that Natalie Portman was going to be playing Jane Foster again, but the character Jane Foster would be going through the journey that her character does in the comic books of becoming a brand new Thor. And the and the reasons for that, and there were a lot of questions, there weren't a whole lot of details regarding it because the film is still many, many, uh, many, many months out. And at least another year or so out, it could be a few more depending on where the film lands with everything going on with COVID, but it seems like Taika is working on the script and it seems like they could be potentially filming soon based on the comments that Natalie Portman says in this interview that she does. But I think it's very interesting to see where this character could go from the journey she had in Thor, Thor 2, and where she could go for Thor 4 after being left out in Ragnarok. And this is what she had to say about the preparation of her character and what the journey could be for her character emotionally. And this is what she had to say. I can't tell you that much. I can't, I'm really excited. I'm starting to train to get muscles. If there can be all these female superheroes, the more of them there are, the better it is. I'm trying to think. It's based on the graphic novel of the Mighty Thor. She's going through cancer treatment and is a superhero on the side. So I think, again, very vague comments for what she's saying. But I think when you read in between the lines, there is some stuff there to really kind of talk about and to kind of sink your teeth into. The first thing is that... She's starting to train, which means that production isn't around the corner, but it's slowly getting there. And so she's starting to get in shape for when she's probably going to be doing a whole lot of stunts and action sequences with Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. And then she kind of goes into the details of her character and that it will take that storyline from the Mighty Thor, where she does have cancer and transforming her into the Mighty Thor helps her with that. And I I, I really don't know if if it cures the cancer answer but it helps her become stronger and delivers an alternate personality for her and i think one of the detractments of the thor franchise before ragnarok was that it really was kind of a on-the-surface kind of movies, the first two, and there wasn't anything really of substance in in the first two movies other than Thor's character and the relationship between Loki and the God of Thunder. Jane Foster's character was really just kind of there as the love interest. And I think they try to really kind of give her something to do in the second Thor movie, but it just didn't really work out. And I think that's why Marvel and Natalie Portman in the beginning had a falling out But now that Taika Waititi is in the director's chair and the writing's chair, there there can be more substance for these characters. And we saw what he did, not just with Thor Ragnarok and the emotion that came through that film along with the comedy, but also what he did with Jojo Rabbit in which he won an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for that movie. And it really kind of delivered the laughs and some humor, but also delved into these emotional storylines in this very tumultuous time period in Germany during World War II and this journey of a little kid who really learned about liberation and being free and not just honing in on on one ideal and the tragedies that he goes through. So I think if you kind of implement not something as dire as that in Thor, but you deliver on some emotional angles and you give more meat to the bones for Natalie Portman to work with because she really is a tremendous actress. She There's a reason she has an Academy Award. And even though she has been in some iffy stuff over the years, the stuff that she does land in that is great, one of the main reasons for that is because of her performance in those movies. So I think for Natalie Portman to actually give her something to, her t- to sing her teeth into again, meat on the bones, she can really deliver something that is incredible and become a staple in the MCU alongside Chris Hemsworth, alongside Tessa Thompson in, again, the Thor franchise, but the MCU as a whole. So I think is very excited about this. And I'm sure if it was going to be the same thing as she had in Thor 1 or Thor 2, she wouldn't be back. So I, I'm sure Taika Waititi was able to convince her to come back to the franchise. And he has something special in store for her to come back to the franchise and deliver on. Something incredible. So I'm excited to see this relationship develop. I'm excited to see this collaboration, see her reunite with Chris Hemsworth and see what she does with Tessa Thompson. It's really going to be something very interesting. I'm excited to see that. And are you guys excited to see that? Let me know what you think. Do you think Natalie Portman is going to knock it out of the park with this performance? Let me know and leave your thoughts. And the final thing that I want to talk about today is to continue the conversation that I briefly had on yesterday's podcast at the top in talking about the the news that Doctor Strange will be, pla- be will be alongside Tom Holland's Spider Man. In the new Spider Man 3 film that doesn't have a title as of yet. And it was the big news of yesterday. Nobody, I think, saw this coming. I think people were hoping that this could be something that happens. And just going over the details again, according to multiple reports, but specifically Hollywood Reporter was the first one to break the story, is that Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange will be taking on that mentor role, being that main person from the MCU in a Spider Man film that was was showcased in Tony Stark and Iron Man and Spider-Man Homecoming. And then in last year, Spider-Man Far From Home with Samuel L. Jackson reprising his role as Nick Fury. So we'll get to see more of the chemistry that we saw just a little bit of in Avengers Infinity War between the web slinger and the Sorcerer Supreme, which I'm really excited about. And again, I've said that the one movie that I'm very much looking forward to, and I think the one character that I'm really looking to see more, more developed more in the next iteration of the MCU is Doctor Strange because I was I, I liked the, the Doctor Strange origin story, the film that came out in 2016. I thought it was a great kickstarter to seeing what Doctor Strange could do. But even though he he was a prominent figure in Infinity War and had a supporting role in Endgame, I loved the development that we showed in his character throughout those two movies, and I think gave us a glimpse for what we could see now that Stephen Strange. Has an idea and is fully the sorcerer supreme, especially after what he did in Infinity War and Endgame. Really, kind of being the not the puppet master, but the person that is moving all these different chess pieces across the boards to the final matchup in Endgame. So to see where he went from there, to see how he deals with everything that happened in those two films and in in the multiverse of madness, how he's maybe able to kind of except that Tony Stark had to sacrifice himself and how that is affecting other people that are that were close to Tony, one of them being uh, Spidey. I think that could be a really interesting angle. So I'm really excited about this. And I know some people aren't happy that, oh, well, is Spider-Man's gonna have another mentor. What's that all about? I think this could be more of a collaboration between the two, because if we know Stephen Strange, he's not really somebody to take on that mentorship role. So maybe... The thing for Stephen Strange is the fact that this is just going to be some kind of cool team up together and Stephen Strange is just going to be his arrogant self, but still support the kid and help him through whatever he needs to help him out with. And also, this kind of ties in Stephen Strange being in this film ties the reasons for why you have Jamie Foxx come back as Electro if he is reprising his role from The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And why he could be coming to Earth. How does that really work? And Stephen Strange is the glue that pieces that all together, in which you really are giving the multiverse a true introduction and just kind of gives further credence that the multiverse is going to have a huge, huge presence in the MCU going forward, kind of maybe replacing that the Infinity Stone storyline where we're going to see more and more of the multiverse kind of hashed out throughout these next few films and along with with the Disney Plus shows that are occurring on the the streaming service, of course. And Elizabeth Olsen is going to be in in the Multiverse of Madness. So it seems like WandaVision and and Doctor Strange 2 is going to have a connection. And WandaVision's coming out later this year towards the tail end of the year so that'll be our first introduction into this new phase this new era of the mcu so i think a lot of multiverse is going to be in the vein of the comic book world to come because it's not just marvel it's dc's getting into the multiverse now everything they talked about with in dc fandom suggests that all these heroes are on different Earths. You have the Justice League from the Snyder Universe with, or and Momoa and Gal Gadot and Ezra Miller all on one Earth. Then you have Robert Pattinson on another one. You have Joaquin Phoenix's Joker on another Earth. It's it's the, it's the multiverse and all these different Earths coming together and all these different realms are coming together in the MCU. So how does that all kind of work? How does King the Conqueror fit in? I think everything is slowly, but surely starting to piece itself together. There's still a lot of stuff we don't know, but the pieces are starting to, to formulate and now the speculation can come out now of, will Andrew Garfield be a part of it? Will Tobey Maguire, will Kristen Dunst, will Dan DeHaan's Green Goblin come back? I don't know if I want any of those guys coming back. As much as I love Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in those two roles, I don't want any resemblance of those films kind of seeping into it, even though it would be cool so we'll see what happens but i think this is this is exciting again i love the doctor strange character the iteration that benedict cumberbatch has done so to see the two of them paired up could be very interesting how it all kind of ties in with jamie fox's character could be really cool so i'm all for this i think it was a little bit of a shock that this is actually happening because of what could happen they're both in new york city you saw a little bit of that chemistry introduced in infinity war so to kind of see it all kind of come together in spider Man 3 and how it fits into peter's story is going to be very very interesting and we have the original crew of the spider-man films coming back you have zendaya you have marissa tomei you have tony revali you have the kid who the guy who plays uh peter's best friend in ned i don't know his name specifically but he will be back as well so you have the main cast coming back they're starting to shoot later this year and then uh benedict cumberbatch will be shooting the Doctor Strange after he does his scenes in Spider-Man 3, so Benedict Cumberbatch is going to have his hands full in the next few years playing Doctor Strange, but um, it seems like he's excited for what's to come, and I'm certainly excited, and also, don't forget that the director of Doctor Strange 2 is Sam Raimi, who really kind of kicked off this whole comic book bonanza, really, in the early 2000s with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, so maybe they're able to kind of work something out where they all kind of come back in a sense maybe again Toby Maguire does come back maybe they do have a little bit of a reunion that'll be very interesting to see and to see how it all kind of formulates but the, some exciting stuff is on the horizon and it sounds like there could be some more surprises announced soon so we'll see what happens but i think this is a great start and a great surprise for what's to come in the MCU and in the Spider-Man film which I was already excited about, but this just notches it up to a 20, maybe. I don't know, but I'm really, really excited for what's coming together with Spider-Man 3. But that will conclude it for this week and this episode of the Sampus Podcast, everybody. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. And as always, be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as you mad, bro? The number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Along the way, check out these other awesome shows that are on the podcast solutions, such as Russell Addict Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, AmbiguousPodcastSolutions.com. Also on Facebook and Twitter at RealAmbiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure you can follow me on social media as well. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. Again, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Guys, thank you again so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend. And as always... Keep on screening.